Hi, and welcome to A Peek Beneath the Veil, a 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons homebrew campaign, courtesy of Tabletop Notch. I am happy to tell you that A Peek Beneath the Veil goes live every Sunday at 7pm Eastern at twitch.tv slash tabletopnotch. Already aired episodes can be found on both our Twitch and YouTube channels. You can also catch those episodes right here in podcast form, updated every Tuesday. But let's get down to business. It is time for Orba to take you to Antisuyu to enjoy this chapter of A Peak Beneath the Veil. Welcome back, everybody. Oh my god. I hope you enjoyed, if you were here before, Tabletop Notch Genesis for a little look into everybody's past and how we came to be here today. If you stuck around for the break, I hope you enjoyed the little videos. The voiceovers were terrific. Everybody did such a great job um, to kind of get everybody up to speed on where we're at, at this critical point in the mission. And that's where we're going to get back into. Oh my God. So without further ado. In chapter 40, acid reflexes. <laughs> Safira and Erland looked on as Jillian examined the imprisoned Michaels, looking for something suspicious or out of the ordinary from a harvesting yard she'd encountered in the past. The two half-elves did their own investigating and found a chart detailing the camp's schedule for harvesting the Mykonids, a rotation that allowed time for regrowth and regeneration. Other than its impressive organization, there were no signs that this room had any unconventional purposes. But a last-second urge to connect physically with one of the creatures sent Erland into a kind of shared consciousness, an exploration of a memory that he had some limited ability to interact with. When the opportunity arose to help the Mykonid in what seemed to be a recreation of a moment of its capture, we opted to assist. And after a successful defense from a group of hunters, it sensed Erland's good intentions, enough to bestow him with additional organic powers that he did not previously possess. Upstairs in the electrolysis lab, Orba re-entered after discovering a journal kept by one of the lead scientists associated with the harvesting yard. A wealth of information that broke down advancements made in the field of myconid extract research and descriptions of new experiments being performed somewhere at the camp, as well as the names of some of the major players in this development, Maurice Duffy, uh, Maurice Duffy Geis and Master Grimari himself. Approaching footsteps meant there was little time to relay her findings to Graven and Bazaar, and the three of them moved into the next room over to avoid detection, an area dedicated to waste management, complete with basins, protective gloves, and what seemed to be a way to drain excess debris into the river. With wandering employees limiting the number of safe opportunities to exit, we decided that this drainage pipe was our best bet for leaving the compound. But a second opening in the pipe rerouted us to an alternate chamber for the specialized decomposition of particularly resilient materials. Escaping from this pit proved to be a formidable challenge, as the abundance of caustic substances and shifting terrain left us with more than a few acid burns, not to mention the impending uncertainty of where we had ended up and whether we'd be able to retrace our steps. Having once again adorned their protective helmets, the half-elves and Jillian made their way into the corridor underneath the river, where they were marveling at the expansive wall of force and the handful of structures that had been assembled here. They strayed out of sight from the only person that they could see, a fully suited scientist working in an isolated room covered in stringy mycelium. 
but for now the priority was holding pen number two. So Erland and Sephira guided Jillian down a dark hallway that would hopefully have some answers at the end of it. With the party entering into the dangerous and unknown parts of the harvesting yard, we needed to keep asking ourselves the difficult questions. <clears throat> what was the next step if the other holding pens were equally as absent of clues to indicate something greater at play here? Where was this underground disposal site in relation to our hopeful rendezvous point? And was it worth the trouble of returning the journal when Graven and Bizarro were just going to steal a bunch of shit anyway? <laughs> yeah, what's up with that? Come on, guys. We find out now, on chapter 41, of A Peek Beneath the Veil. Concentrated stinging sensation bombards your exposed skin, mm -hmm. especially along your feet and your ankles, as you use sleeves and spare cloth to wipe away lingering residue. The iron gate behind you remains open, and there is a series of hefty cranks and levers along the wall that seem in some way connected to the five chains that disappear up into the ceiling, presumably a way to raise or lower the door from this side. It's far from silent. There's a constant dirge of hissing and muffled clanging as bits of metal yield to the acidic goo. Though you'd hope to assume, given the volume of scrap and noises being commonplace in this area, that it's unlikely to draw any attention. It dawns on you that for the first time since arriving at Lake Gokan, you are truly flying blind. Unsure of where on any of the diagrams or in Jillian's descriptions you might currently be located. Even the scouting done with your own eyes couldn't have provided any insight here. And with no concept of where you could sneak off to in a pinch, or whether Jillian, Erland, and Sephira are close enough for assistance, the consequences are now only amplified. As it is, you stand in a dimly lit passage that extends forward about 20 feet before making a sharp right turn. Though just before the bend, there's a large wooden rack that looks to be holding two kinds of items. A number of pairs of thick leather gloves that you're well familiar with at this point, that have sort of a little latch on the elbow if needed. And a number of long copper rods, maybe eight feet in length, that have hooks on the end and hang horizontally on the rack, and the hooked ends look to be significantly tarnished, a mixture of splotchy greens and brown discoloration. And there's sort of a, you get the sense that these might be used to retrieve or put things into the disposal room you just came from. There's like acid discoloration on the ends of it. There is also a piece of parchment posted up above this rack. And there's a mop and bucket resting kind of in the corner of this hallway before it turns. Three of you tumble out, having just gotten through. And here you stand. You said that there was a looked like a mechanism, like a... Uh, it looks like there's several cranks. Several cranks. Yeah, it looks Five like... Five cranks? Yeah, it looks... Yes, there are. It looks like okay. there's one for each of the, you know, pieces in the other room. Like, Should we try to close that giant door that we just came through? Uh, yes, but can you do me a favor, Graven? And what? Orb is going to take out a healing potion. We need our healer to be safe. Is that the last one? It's the last one that I have. Anybody else? 
don't have any. Please. <laughs> Is that all pages of your inventory? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> in, in my bag, uh, I do have one left. Take it. Only because it's not the last one. Drink up. Yeah. 2d4 blades are just a regular healing, right? It doesn't yeah. have standard. 2d4 yeah. plus 2. Seven. That was good. Seven. You feel a little bit of the stinging sensation on your feet kind of dissipate a little bit as it kind of gives like a comforting numbness, not sort of a worrying one, but it's just sort of letting go of those sort of scratching, burning feelings. Now let's get out of here. Okay, yes. But yes, do you think we should close this door that we came through? I, I don't think there's any reason why we would want to go back in there. No, let's never go let's, back in there again, please. Thank you. Right. I can... I could crank these, but I could also create a, an area of silence just in case we want to make this... As I, covert as possible. I don't know, my friend. I might have you save your energy in case one of us needs you, yes? Ten minutes, I could do it without expending so much energy if I did it this ritually. Might be a wise idea, Uba. Okay, go ahead. Okay, I'm gonna kind of sit in you between. Sit for ten minutes? Yeah, I'm gonna sit right in between the five to and, yeah, and concentrate on a ten minute sure. silence. He sits and starts to do so. What are you guys doing during this time? Is he's creating the silence spell? It hasn't happened yet. Yeah. So he's sitting so, there. He uh, has so to, to concentrate sitting there. Yes. Once, once the ten minutes are up, there'll be a twenty-foot radius sphere uh, centered on me that uh, immune to thunder damage. Creatures are deafened. <clears throat> Casting a spell, include, including a verbal component, is impossible. So for ten okay. minutes, a twenty-foot sphere of silence. Very right. similar to what you used in with fur. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess I can I take a look around the room and see access points and keep an eye on them. Sure, it seems like the only, like, it's more of a hallway than a room that you're in. It okay. seems like it goes forward, like I said, 20 feet, kicks off to the right. You haven't looked around the corner yet, and then just back behind you into the room. Those are the only ways to go, as far as you can tell. Um, can I go up to where that mop is in the parchment? Yeah, yeah. Individual uh, packages. I love a good parchment. That's fine, go right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, wow. <clears throat> <laughs> Orba like peeks over. <laughs> I just wanted to read it to myself. First. I know. Orba. Hmm? It's um just a parchment regarding the recycling uh process. Um in an effort to recycle certain materials, all waste must go through disposal. Do not, in capital letters, discard items directly into the dissolution chamber without express permission from Tybalt. Okay. That's all. Okay. I do know that Tybalt is one of the head scientists here, so... I guess it's just a note for the maintenance crew. I suppose. I don't know if I fully understand it. I'm going to keep an eye around the corner and make sure nobody comes our way. Sure. I'll station myself. I'll do like... Take a little peek around the corner. Yeah. Looks like the hallway extends down about another 50 feet. Uh. There's a door at the end of the hall which would, with what looks to have a small glass window in the door, like about at eye level that you 
straight through. And it looks like the corridor also turns to the right and continues. So it goes up and there's a door on the end, but it also turns to the right and continues as well. Okay, since this worked out for me pretty good last time, I'm gonna go a little further down toward the glass door, provided everything sounds quiet, I'll be quiet. Uh, I'll take a look around that right corner. Okay, give me a stone check. You walk all the way down to the end. Yeah. Just clearing the area. Stealth. I don't even remember my stats anymore. Here we go. Twelve. Twelve. Great. So there's a little bit of as your foot feet down this kind of hollow area. It echoes a little bit. You get down. You peek around to the right a little bit, and you will see that it extends down just a short distance, maybe another fifteen feet, and then stops. And there's a door on the left side that has a sign on it. No window on this door. I can't make out what the sign says? It's not far, but you can't see it from here. I'll get a little closer to the sign. Sure, and you kind of duck down so your head doesn't go above the, where the window is on the other door. Yes. And you get through, <laughs> and you go over to the other one. And the sign says, Emergency TC Deactivation. Do not enter. Okay, emergency TC? TC, yeah. Activation. T is in tiefling, C is in cleric. Oh, good one. Activation. Do not enter. Yeah. Okay. Great. Alright, I will abide its wishes and not enter that door. And I'm gonna go, can I peek into that window a little bit? Sure. Let me do so. Okay. Peek through the glass window. Yeah. And you see into a large open room, whose most notable, notable feature is perhaps the floor which appears to be divided into two distinct halves. On one half is the dark, smooth stone that you've become accustomed to, and beneath your feet is much of the same stone, other than being cleaner from where you're kind of standing at the moment. And this is also the portion of the room that has the majority of the furniture. It's a pair of rectangle hunks of carved rock that looks to be serving at desks or writing surfaces, a few stools surrounding them. There's a couple of wooden storage trunks and a large chalkboard at the back wall like on the left side. And directly opposite the door that you're looking through is another virtually identical door with the same kind of glass window. So straight across is another door with a window. Yeah. On the left half is where all the furniture is with the regular floor that you're used to. Yeah. The other half of the floor is a pristinely polished silvery white surface that reflects some of the light of the hanging lamps and produces a gentle gleam. It's completely bare with the sole exception of a set of chains anchored but lying limp on the floor, and hard to tell exactly what they are, but a number of carvings in the floor, little glyphs or symbols arranged in a circular pattern. There is also a man kneeling down by these carvings. He's wearing a gray robe and slippers. He has a blue padded arming hood. Facing away from you at the moment, so it's difficult to kind of see what he's doing, but it looks like he's kneeling kind of down close to where those glyphs are, the circular sort of glyphs. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Okay. Um, can I see her? Yeah, you can see her kind of a little down at the end of the hall. I'm going to go towards her. What are you looking at? There is a man. Don't get too quiet. Yeah. Oh. What are you looking at? I'll, how about I just offer to give her a little boost so she can peek? Yes. If, somebody if she's kind of up on her tiptoes, she can get up there. You see, kind of same. You see these two halves of the room with all the furniture. You see the little pristine marble looking floor kind of on the right side. Educated guess? 
this is the room we've got to go through. Great. Because the other one says, do not enter, and it sounds spooky. So, let's just keep an eye on Graven for now. Make sure that this man doesn't come near this door. And, yeah. Do you think he's held captive in there, or he's supposed to be? Looks like he's inspecting the rooms. Uh, he's wearing the arming hood and slippers. I imagine it might be one of the scientists. Great. So, yeah. Let's just keep an eye on our friend. Sure. Yeah, just to be clear, the, the chains are not attached to him. Right. Those are okay. really separate ones. Um, <laughs> I will gesture for us two to walk back to that first initial right hand turn sure. so we can see Graven. You can now see Graven and keep an eye on the door at the same yeah. time. Get out. A little bit of time passes, maybe like seven minutes or so, and you see a head appear in front of where the glass window is, and for a second you seem, it seems like he might be reaching for the door, but then he walks past it. And it seems like he goes, and you can't see all of his body because there's only a little bit of window, it seems like he went and got something, and he turns around and he walks back towards where he was originally. But stays in that room. He does stay in that That sucks. Okay. A little more time passes. Graven finishes casting the spell ritual. (laughs) (laughs) Void of sound comes around. Uh, So do I I don't see them anymore? They've gone gone around the corner? They're at the corner. Yeah, Yeah. you can see them, yeah. Okay, I'm just going to give a signal that I'm going to start. Start cranking them. Give me an athletics check. Come on, just close this door, baby, please. You need to do it one by one, right? Twelve. Twelve. Okay, great. So you do the first one, and it seems like, based on your understanding of what's on the other side, like the thing that you took off is now it's pulling it back up to get like up on the shelf. Is everything kind of within twenty feet of me, so that I don't hear any of the mechanisms? uh, From the in, if someone was in the interior, it doesn't cover enough of that. Okay. But from this side, yeah, it's it's pretty pretty silent from here. Yeah. Yep. Great. It takes some time, but you watch as Graven sort of works these cranks and finds it. Keep an eye on that door. Continues to, nobody else walks by it. Graven continues to work, and finally as you're getting to the kind of last ones, you're cranking the last one, is it sort of, you can see that it's kind of lifting it up and then it pulls it back like onto the shelf, so you're pulling at the last one, then it, and as it does so, it kind of, the door closes. But silently. Silently. Okay. Step out of the sound area. Right. Have we found a way out? Yes. It Sweet. is occupied. Okay. Yes. Uh, Why don't we take a look? There's a man uh, studying some glyphs. But there's. Sorry. That's and there's another room, but Olba said we're not allowed in. Well, the sign says do not enter. It sounds like an experiment of some kind is what I am imagining. But we can always look. Okay, did you recognize any of the glyphs? I believe it probably was too far away for me to recognize Yeah, them. you definitely couldn't see the glyphs themselves. Yeah, They're arranged in a circular pattern. They were arranged in a circular pattern. Do you want to take a look? Perhaps another one of the transportation circles. Possibly a teleportation circle, Tele- yes. Teleportation, right. <laughs> Not one I would be able to use, I am not so skilled, but... We have to get through that room. Supposedly, there's two doors. One door says, do not enter. Uh, emergency TC activation. Deactivation. D... That's important. Deactivation. TC. TC? Does that ring any bells? 
What do we know about the Wall of Force? Could it have anything to do with deactivating the Wall of Force? I don't believe so. I, TC doesn't, that abbreviation doesn't ring <clears throat> anything in my memory. Me neither. Toxic is the only thing that comes to mind. I, I don't know how you deactivate toxicity, but you know. Why don't we go take a look at that room and see if that scientist is still there? Okay. You guys make your way quietly down the hall. in the window. <laughs> he seems very busy, studiously at work at that exact same spot. Who, uh, Graven's taking a look. Give me a perception check as you kind of peek through. 21. 21. He looks like, he, he seems to have shifted his position slightly so his back's not purely towards you. So you can kind of see the side of him. And it looks like he has like a little kit next to him that has a number of colored pieces of chalk. And he's like taking the pieces and it looks like he's like filling in the glyphs or, you know, using these kind of chalks to yeah. do maintenance on the glyphs. And does the circle remind me of the ones that I've seen? Yeah, I mean, it looks slightly different, but it looks not terribly dissimilar to the one you saw in Brick Rock. The one at the Festival of Romasa was a little shabbier, but this, this one's very pristine. I mean, the floor and the room and everything has a much more elegant look to it. And Sorry, there wasn't much more in this room. There was that, there was the guy. That's in the pristine end of the room. On the other end, there's some like desks, storage chests, and there's a there's a chalkboard on the, the side as well. And there's a door into it, and we see another door. Yep, there's another door on the other side. So, do we want to try to open the other door and see if there's a way out past it, or without disturbing him, so as not to disturb him? Correct. Take a look. Okay, there's no window. We just have to open it. <laughs> I could create silence again and we could try to go right behind him. Oh my goodness, really? And just walk past him? How big more, is this room? More than 20 feet across the room. You would not make it from one door to the other. Oh, and and the, the room's depth from door to door? What is that? It's room? probably 30 feet or so. Okay. Yeah, maybe even a little bigger. We can't be seen. The only other thing I could think of is baiting this man out the door that we are right next to to the direction of the, the horribleness we just came from and then sneak in. But that's... There's nowhere to hide. Maybe in the deactivation room. There was a mop. Um, the mop in a... Um, in a bucket. Mm -hmm. Maybe we could rig it in such a way that it would fall with a great clatter. Stand on the other side of the door. To come out. What? That would cause him to come out. I guess we can I, try. I, I'm sure he's not expecting any noise or people down but here. We can try. And, and hide behind the door? Or hide in the other room? I would say... There's nowhere to hide, as you said. Perhaps we check this do not enter door first. And, yes. and then set up the mop and bucket on the other side of where he is. Uh-huh. You could use a, a gust or something. Yep. And then we... Uh, could you? This is. I do not. himself out. Could your um, hand be useful in this sort of deception? Uh, sure, but only at a certain distance. So if we were right at the end of the hall, use the hand to disrupt the mop and bucket. He opens the door, comes out, and we go in. How far oh God. is the keep out door from his door? 15 feet? 
and then to the corner where the rack and the bucket and stuff yeah. were. That, that hallway was longer. That was about yeah. 50 feet. It's okay. Like from the gl- door of the glass window to the rack and mop yeah. and bucket, that's about 50 feet. We could, we could. We could set up the mop and bucket 15 feet from his door on the opposite side, stand in the corner, jostle it, slip into the room, have him... Yes, but should we maybe check out what's behind this do not disturb yeah, door really himself out of the same plan <laughs> twice. The only thing is, he would then find a mop and bucket as turned over and then try to get I realize the, the limitations of the plan, Mizara. <laughs> Look in the window and probably still see us in there. Okay, before we, we settle on any plan, let's just go ahead and open this door. Let's. Okay. I will try it. Be careful. <laughs> Trying to do it sort of quietly, She's carefully. Give me a stealth so check. Maybe, hold on. Oh, um, Jesus, no. Maybe the person with dark vision. I mean, this hallway is dimly lit. Oh, okay. It's not, it's not, it's not easy to see. It's not brightly lit. And we don't know if there's no light coming from on the underside of that door. It's, it doesn't really have a, a wide enough gap to be able to tell. Go ahead. Please. Don't worry, Raven. 18. Okay. So very quietly, sort of grab it. You're gonna give it a little listen as well. You don't really hear anything on the other side. And you give it a little pull, and you start to open it, and it looks like it is dark in there. Like you're opening it, and there's a little bit of light leaking in from where you are already, the dim light, but it doesn't look like any light's coming from inside. And then you hear a little, like, burst of air, like a And you look up, and you rub your eyes, and you've been sprayed with a kind of green ink all over you from head to toe on your front side. And you look at where it came from, and if you look on, there's these tiny little pipes at the top and sides of the door pointing towards like where the, the handle of the door is, and as soon as you sort of opened it beyond a small distance, it sprayed at you to sort of, and you are covered in this green ink. Uh, I hold up my hand like I wouldn't just come in right away and I just turn and look at them and let them see my face (laughs) do any of you know what is all over me (laughs) it seems to have gotten my entire body it doesn't hurt or anything you can tell right away it's not dangerous and it smells inky. I mean, it's, yeah, it's You're very embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. right. You look like an idiot. <laughs> Does it look like it like glows in the dark or anything? Not like that you that. can tell. No, it's just as far like, as you can tell. Green. It's, it's, it's not bright. It's just green just ink. Yeah, it's, it it's like staining your skin a little bit. It doesn't hurt. I just don't know what exactly this ink is. Bizarre. You have marked. a change of clothes. Yes. I have several. It's time to. Change your clothes, I think. Sure. It's uh, all over your armor. Oh, God. <laughs> I guess I just use an extra shirt as a rag. Yeah, I mean, you can kind of wipe it down. Yeah, as, wipe. as soon as you start to wipe it, you can see it staining your skin. I mean, you can get some of it off, but your face oh. and your arms, you're green. What about, uh, there's there's gloves and arming hoods back where we came. Can, I'm gonna... uh, there's not arming hoods or gloves. Oh, just gloves. Yeah. Shoot. Okay. Um, the man was wearing we get close to I have... Well, I can dress myself in black lion garb, if anybody wants to see that. 
It's actually not a bad idea. It's probably better than Josco's clothing, so. Uh, now that sure. the door is open. It would be big on you. There were, there were human That's size true. black yeah. lines. Oh, a little dress. Yeah, is the door just open now? It's cracked open. She didn't pull it fully open because as she pulled it, it kind of sprayed her. She hasn't gone all the way in yet. Uh, now that you're sullied, might as well try it the rest of the way, honestly. Sure, okay then. And I, I will open the door even more. It's pitch black, so a little bit of light leaks in from where you are. And it looks like it opens up into a really narrow hallway, like two people could not even pass by each other in this hallway. And you can see in about 10 feet or so, but beyond that, it's too dark. You can't see it. This hallway is not lit. Graven? Yes, some light. Yes, please. Right. I'm going to walk over and light my mace to try. <laughs> you hold it up inside. So you can see a few spaced out sort of sconces along the hallway that look like they could be lit, but are not currently lit. Oil lamp sort of sconces there. And you can see that this passage goes down a ways, and there's another door at the end. It looks like it goes down far enough that you would come out on the other side of this room to your left that you have not entered into. So it goes, like, around it, kind of, as far as you could tell, or at least out on the other side. You don't know exactly where it puts you out. And about half, at the halfway point between these two doors, it looks like there's a carved-out portion of the wall on your left side. If you're walking straight down the hallway, on your left side there's, like, a little carved-out hole and you can't see what's in that little hole, but there's something there. Something's been placed there. Would you like me to go in further? Um, I'll, I'll check it out this time. I'm not gonna keep going. Okay. Give me a perception check. I would also like to say we should make haste. That might not have been the only alarm. Yes. It didn't make a sound as far as you can tell. Mm-hmm. Perception? Four. Yep. Four. Okay. So you walk down the hall, and you get up to that little carved portion. And going up to it, it's no more than like a foot and a half big. It's a small rectangular carved out area. And on the bottom portion, so it's like it goes in about a foot, and on the bottom portion are two handprints. Kind of as the kind of as if someone had put their hands in like concrete and then pulled it out, and like the little hand they're set there, like two handprints. And there's some kind of, between them, there's some kind of glyph or sigil that has a very, very faint blue glow. And there's a small wooden sign posted above it. I think this is going to be touchy. No touchy. No touchy. No touchy. No touchy. No touchy. No touchy. Okay. Yeah. Might just be reading it says, to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm just reading it. <laughs> um, the sign says... In the event of a compromised sigil sequence, hold hands here for 10 seconds and then release. Compromised sigil sequence. Have you guys kind of got up to me here? They can, if you call them up to you. And the way that this oriented, I, in the middle, this is probably right on the other side of where the, yes, the, Okay. Sigil sequence also means something to you, right? Yes. Teleportation yeah. circles have sigil sequences sequence to tell you. Yes. Uh, I'll have also kind of left the door just slightly cracked, but I'll close it just so it doesn't look ajar. This is not to do with the wall of force. This has to do with the teleportation circle on the other side of this wall. TC, yes, TC teleportation circle. We're a bunch oh of idiots. Oh my god. Jeez. Okay. <laughs> Yes. Uh, all right. 
What, it only took us a couple minutes. It's fine. <laughs> Bizarre standing there in ink, going like, ah, oh, how could I talk about that? How could I be so stupid? <laughs> but what this means is that we can disrupt him a lot more than a mop and bucket. But then they would know that somebody has deactivated the teleportation circle. That is no red flag. What if we just go through this door that is on the other side of this thing, correct? And leave. True. <laughs> I think Probably Orba has to a stay point. Quiet, yes. <laughs> then, you're, uh, this is the worst. <laughs> yes? I, I think we go with Orba's right. plan. Well, I'm sorry to say your plans so far. But this is didn't say it was a plan. I was just saying. This is great information for Jillian. Though. Yes. I All think right. we should try to... Bizarra? I shall open the door. <clears throat> open the next I door, I could also please. use my mage hand, so you don't get, you know, again. Can you be subtle with it? Define subtle. You see it. I don't know. What I mean is... It's fine. If you're in danger got, of throwing it open quickly, we don't have time for this, so I'll do it. Okay. Slowly. While she opens it, can I take a closer look at the sigil that's between the two hands? Just So, so you're going to open the door on the other side, and then... Sorry. Uh, the symbol between the two handprints. Sure. Can I just get a um, close look at that? Yeah, you, the, the symbol doesn't really mean anything other than seeming like it's a, um, it's a symbol for, let me just make sure you have her, abjuration magic. Oh, okay. Which, again, teleportation sure. circles are abjuration magic. Right, so got it. Cool. Did we close the door that we came through already? I left it a little cracked. Should I shut it? Probably. Okay. Probably. I go in and I shut it. Okay, as you go to shut it and you're about to shut it, you do look around. There's some ink splattered around on the walls shit. and floor and stuff. I mean. We should do this as. Yes, as let's. Possible. Yes, we begin to move. Yes. I am going to open the door. Sure. Oh, around. And as soon as you open it, you hear that sound again. And I just go. It doesn't spray you because you're on the inside. However, when you open it, you see that the uh, the wall and the floor is covered in a blue ink. It looks like they have different colors for different sides. And it, like a giant splatter of ink on the other side of this wall has coated this part of the hallway. Great. Okay, let's keep moving. <laughs> Just... Quiet, quiet. Let's keep going. Oh. So the next area that you kind of enter into is, is really barely much of a room or a hallway at all. It's a little vestibule that exits just, to, it seems to provide just a crossroads to a few different rooms. The emergency corridor that you came through, the room with the teleportation circle, and it looks like one other room. There's a set of double doors that leads to another room. You can walk past where the glass window is now on this side. You're on the other side now. Um, who walked through first? Bizarre, give me a perception check because mm-hmm. you kind of come through. I mean, we're—we've been here. We're yeah. leaving a trail. We are leaving a trail. Eighteen. Eighteen. So from this angle, you can actually see a little bit of uh, the chalkboard, which was—it was closer to the wall, looking from the other side. So you can really read what was on it. On this side, you can see some things are written in very big letters on the chalkboard. There seem to be some notices. Oh, I'm getting so many things today. This one. No. It seems to have a couple of notices written on it that you can see from here. Yeah. <laughs> You're peeking. Okay. It's fine. Um, <laughs> I don't know what it means. Okay. Anything? I was able to see some of the chalkboard writings. Oh. You see 
22A. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, it's, hold on. It's a bit much, which is why I'm telling you. Yep, do it. Is out of service. UC 22A is out of service. UC 515 is in progress. Neither sigil sequence is to be used until further notice. Oh, oh you're right. <laughs> M H E N, currently classified as high risk. Sigil sequence is not to be used without Maurice's written consent. Um. Next schedule arrival SF6, comma, 446, triangle. That's a date. You would recognize yeah, yeah. that. Yeah. So Two colon zero six three. Yeah. So it's four forty six second try at 063, which you would it know is, is two days from now. Two days from now. SF six. That date. So SF six, and then separately as a date. Written yeah. Your four forty six second try at 063, which is two days from now. Well, I'm imagining M H E N Molifair. They, they, we know that there's a teleportation circle at the Molifair estate. But they deactivated it, assuming. Once they discovered that Winston had used it to break into the Molifair right. estate. They did right. say it's high Maybe risk. UC 22A is out of service. That could be Brick Rock. Polnick dismantled the teleportation circle in Brick Rock. Right. The one that's in progress, UC 515, there's. I have a theory, but there's a lot of information to share, but I think I have an idea. Sure. Okay. Neither sigil should be used, neither combination. Okay? I don't know what M hen high risk is. If it is the Molotov one, it is high risk. Because of the wine? Is that what you mean? Any number of reasons. Okay. We should keep going. Yes, let's keep moving. Thank you, Bizarre. So door into the glassed area with the guy, and then double doors. Double doors, yep. Double doors Should we go through the happen. double doors? Yes, please. I'll go through the double Great. doors. You start to move that way. Before we do that. Uh, One more. Oh, my God. God. <clears throat> Progress is slow. Even with Erlen's guiding hand on her shoulder, Jillian's strides are short and cautious. Her outstretched arm that isn't on her side towards Erland is sliding along the stone wall beside her. And Safira, just a step behind, she makes an occasional kind of cumbersome rotation in her suit to look behind and make sure that no one is following or peering down the hall. You can see Jillian fidgeting with the placement of her helmet attempting to use her free hand to keep some of the weight off her shoulders. You remember that she doesn't have one of the hoods, so you can see it kind of digging down into her collarbone at the base of her neck. Still, she keeps quiet. She keeps her grunts of discomfort to a minimum. She marches on with determination. The aches and pains a small price to pay for hopefully getting a look at the bigger picture. You turn the corner and see another one of the sliding iron doors with its rotating lock mechanism. It's the same kind of handle you saw going into holding pen one, kind of and then slides open. Looks like the same kind of door. This one engraved with a large numeral two. Just as before, the seal is tight, so that getting a gauge on whether any sound or light is coming from the other side is impossible. You really can't tell. Your only option being full committal to entry and praying that you're ready for what's on the other side. Before heading in, Jillian kind of taps you for a moment 
but she takes a moment to, now that you guys have turned down the hallway and you're not sort of visible from the river walk, she slowly takes off her helmet and she can't see, it's in pitch black, but you can hear her. She leans up to the holes in the back of your helmet so you guys can hear her. After we enter, assuming there isn't someone in the room that we have to explain ourselves to, see if you can't find another one of those solar crystals so I can see. You see her. Put the helmet back. And slowly latch it back. You stand here, in front of the door with the tube. Kind of like, uh, you put my hand on the. I'm in front of Jillian, right? Yep, you were in front. So I'm gonna put my hand on the door. Look at Jillian and Safira. Jillian can't see you, but yeah, Jillian's very good. Just the thought. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Looking up her, but yes. And then I'm gonna slowly slide open the door. Kind of rattles open a little bit as it slides. And as you slide open the door, you can see at a glance that this holding pen is once again like the other one, unlit at the moment. There are no lamps. And after a small kind of ten-foot corridor, the space opens up. You can already identify some familiar elements to holding pens one. Rows of iron bars, there's a stone path beneath your feet, and as soon as you get off of the stone path, it's like soil and dirt beneath your feet, sort of in the cages and things. And there is in front of you a long copper rod with a small platform that elevates a crystal that is currently not illuminated. You take a couple steps in. But before you can take more than just a couple steps, a clanging noise rings out, kind of metallic, reverberates with emphasis, muted somewhat by your helmets, but it's enough to cause kind of a little jump in all three of you as it rings out in this area. As quickly as it came, the room returns to silence. But then, there it is again. The sound repeats in irregular intervals. And you can hear and feel Jillian kind of reach out and tightly grip your shoulder. Can we tell where it's coming from? It, further in? You, you can't tell exactly where it's coming from because you haven't sort of walked all the way in yet. I'm gonna look at Sephira. And I'm gonna kind of like... I'm gonna point at the... I'm gonna point at the <laughs> solar crystal. Yes. Not again. <laughs> To a certain. So then I'm gonna just sort of tap Jillian on the shoulder. Yep. As we did last time yep. we left her. Yeah. Sort of stays. And I'm gonna proceed with Safira. Sort of. Actually, which way are you gonna go? There's only one way to go at the moment. Straightforward. Okay. Does it look from where we can? Does it look anything like the sketch that we have? So we'll say you guys take a couple steps yeah. forward, and it, you take a look, and it it does seem differently organized. Okay. So it, it similar to the drawing, it basically divides into two hallways. One hallway goes off to one end and one goes off to the other end. And the uh, instead of sort of a central group of cages with more cages around it, each of these hallways is lined with cages. So if you walk down one side, cages are on your left and right, and if you walk down the other hallway, they're also on your left and right. 
Right. So it does not look like the sketch that we received from the elves, the Redeeran elves. Um, like this sort of chunk of the sketch. Uh, it does, sort of. So you walked through that hallway, yep, and you came to there, basically. That's where okay. the solar crystal is. So there's a hallway down to your left. Oh, right here. Yep, and then there's a hallway down to your right. Okay, yep. great. And there's cages on either sides of those. Okay, cool. Yeah, so it looks, it's not perfect, but yeah, it yeah. looks pretty simple. Okay, cool. Then. And the clanging sounds like it was coming from the, on your right, western hallway, western sort of facing hallway. It's going to gesture to Sephira. South one and a west one. Are you going towards the sound or not towards the sound? South is the south. Southern hallway is not towards the sound. The western hallway is. I'll go towards the sound very carefully. Sure. Okay. Here we go. Great. Give me stealth checks, both. Oh. Oh come on. Okay. Twenty-one. Eleven. Start to make your way down. So the first thing you notice as you guys kind of split directions is directly like opposite corner from where you entered, and it is on the map as well. There's like a little alcove kind of thing. That uh, little spot right there. Yep. And it looks very similar to uh, the alcove that you saw in the previous pens, although it does seem a little larger. There's um, there's some kind of chart posted above. There's a rack of shears, hanging tarps, buckets. Those are things you saw before. But it does seem to have a couple things that the other one didn't, the one in Holding Pens 1. There is some kind of metal chest. Uh, no, sorry, that is they have the metal chest that you saw before that has like the hooks inside. That is the same. There's a wooden cabinet that looks like it slides open. That one was not present in the other one. And then anchored to the floor is a set of manacles, a very large set of manacles. It seems to be sort of, there's an iron loop that has it sort of anchored to the so can we kind of see each other like through? Yeah, the, there's like two. Yeah, yeah. There's two openings to it. So yeah, as you guys go down, you can kind of see each other. Yeah, briefly. Roland's just gonna by. give her, give her sort of like a wave. Sure, you see her. Yeah. Sort of proceeding carefully. And one more thing that was not on in the other one, hanging on two hooks looks to be an oversized like magnifying glass. It's like a big glass circle with an iron band, and it has two handles. So you would hold it like this, almost like a like a captain's wheel or something. You could like look at this, through this big magnifying. glass. Mouth really big. big. Uh, <laughs> 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 Erlen takes a moment to make his mouth look real big. <laughs> We're using Sephira. I do not do that. <laughs> so as you wave, Sephira turns, and you can both kind of see That's into this true. space as well. Okay, so I'm gonna proceed. Uh, I'm gonna proceed sort of towards the. I guess that's the, south, the western end. I'm going west. Uh, you went not towards the sound. Oh, she okay. went west oh, was towards south. the sound. Okay, yeah, right, so right, you're right, going right. to proceed. Great. So both of you still continue down the hallway. Yeah. Great. We'll stay with Erlen first. You move down this hallway, and you can hear, even through your helmet a little bit, the sounds of very heavy, labored breathing. Are there pens in this room? There's pens lining the like, walls, yeah, but I can't see any mic in it. It's only out to 60 feet, so you're continuing okay, to yeah. walk down. No mic in it no, so like far. In, yes. the in the ones you have walked by, there has, they have been empty. They've been empty. Yep, there has okay. been nothing in the cages. And you get to a point where your dark vision allows you to see basically the two cages on the very end. There's one on the left and one on the right. Yeah. They're at the very end of this hallway. And you see three creatures mm-hmm. curled up in what seems to be a kind of 
semi-conscious catatonic state. They are most definitely not myconids. Their distinct humanoid features are visible right away. It could very well be an elf, a man, and a tiefling. But even beyond the glazed overlook in their eyes, they are uniquely deformed. One of them has an enormous, tumorous lump on its left shoulder. And there's some kind of liquid dripping from its fingers on that hand. It forms kind of a small puddle by its side. It kind of... It's dripping off its fingers. The second appears to be wearing a tunic at first, but on closer inspection is covered with a thick layer of moss that covers its chest and parts of its neck. And the third, the tiefling, has an unnatural excess of overgrown horns kind of sticking out at odd angles. Most tieflings just have two, and they come in varieties, but this one has a number of horns sticking out of its head, including one that's kind of piercing the skin right at its jaw, and another one like just above its eyebrow, sort of sticking out and causing what looks like visible discomfort to it, sort of redness around a little bit of, you know, damaged skin around it. They do not regard your presence at all as you continue to sort of move a little bit quietly down this hall. Do do they seem to be locked in the cave? They do seem to be locked in the cave, yes. And also, as you're moving down this hallway, on your left side, you see a door that looks very much like the one you came through. It has a number two on it, has the rotating lock that you might presume, based on the map you were given, that it might lead up the stairwell. Yeah. 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 Um, Okay. All right, I'm gonna stop there, and I can now see the hole. I can now see the, you, you can the, see the end, end of it. Yeah, 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 great. So I'm gonna stop there and quietly start to move back. I want to go towards the alcove that I've had. Okay, sure. Yeah. You start to head back. We'll go over to Sophia for a second. As you start to walk down that hall, the clanging at first gets a little louder. You hear like one kind of clang, but then as you continue down, it stops. You don't hear it again. And you continue to move, a little step by little step, and you finally get a decent look into the cages at the end of this hall. And again, just like Erland, the cages up until this point have been empty. All the rows on your right and left have been completely empty. But you catch a look at what's in the end of this one. And it seems like you aren't really sure what you were expecting, but you're surprised to find that tucked into the corner is a micanid, as before. The ground is spotted with patches of moss, fibers, other vegetative growth. But the largest mound belongs to one of the flat-capped, reddish varieties of the fungal creatures. Remember, there's kind of three varieties of them that were in the other pen. One of these kind of large, red, flat-capped ones. And comparable to the specimens in the recently harvested D and E blocks of the previous holding pen, these myconids visibly have a very sort of tender, translucent sheen to them. And you can see the head is kind of tilted down and the torso rotated away to kind of, you know, shield itself, and it looks sort of thin, emaciated, although it doesn't really have that kind of look to it, comparable to a human, but yes, it looks like it's been kind of shaved down, and it's kind of huddled in the back corner there. Okay, um, that's the only thing that I can see that is... You, you can already, in getting to the point where you can see that, you can see the back wall and the end cages. That appears to be the only thing in the cages and in this hallway. If I, like, look up, can I see, like, are there any pipes, anything like that could be made, anything that's... The bars are metal. Yeah. But you don't see any pipes in the ceiling or anything like that. Okay. And if I stay here for just a second and, like, I'm watching for movement for the 
the red flat top guy. Sure. I'm waiting to see if one of them is maybe like banging or something. Or? It, it isn't, as far as you can tell. However, it, and again, there's just one. It's not like a group of them. Wouldn't like make that sound though, would it? It's a flimsy. He, thing. The, 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 his body would definitely not. <laughs> not make, make that, that sound, sound against, against the, the metal. Walls. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't want to move too far into the. Room. I just, uh, this is, I can see everything that's... Yes, the okay. hallway's not super wide. You can, at this point, you can see all the way down to the end, and it just ends. There's no door, there's no other room, no. Okay, then I'm going to kind of back out of this area and start to sort of go back towards where. I mean, you start to come back down, you can see that Earl does already start to move into the alcove. Are you looking okay. for something in particular there? There's that wooden uh, cabinet, you said. Yes, there is. Um, is it locked, is it? It doesn't appear to be. Great, I'm going to, does it seem, can I take a quick little... Make sure there's no traps. Sure, you can run your hand over it and stuff. I mean, it it, it even doesn't seem like super solid construction okay. or anything. It's just like a little cabinet. Okay, I'm gonna open it sure. up. Kind of slides open, and there are a number of potion bottles inside. It looks to be possibly healing potions. I mean, they look like healing potions, but also some other colors as well that aren't immediately discernible to you. Okay. Um, I'm going to and start heading back towards Jillian. I'll give you this as well. There's also the chart as well, um, oh. which looks different given that I've also included in here the previous chart because that we that was our virtual yeah, I, one. Yeah, I have that as well. Okay, cool. So we have that. So those are the two charts. So now that's the new one. Is the one on top. This is the old one. This yep. is the new one. Mm-hmm. And remind me. Uh, uh, triad 2060 is two days ago, three days ago? That was ago? yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah, it's 61 right now. 061. So, just for my reference, yep. which one did I walk You down? went down towards C&D. That gap is where the door is, where the big metal oh, door okay. is. Yeah. It's not to scale. There's a number of more. It's a representative diagram. Right, C&D are not listed there. So she went towards A and B. Um, this is going to say back towards Jillian. She's kind of standing there with her hand against the wall, and you can see sort of breathing a little heavy, a little time has gone since she hasn't heard anything. I'm going to see the copper thing. And... I'm going I'm to actually take my helmet off. Sure, you do so. Um, take a big deep breath, see if it's, the air seems okay. It does, as far as you can tell. All right, I'm going to whisper into the back of Jillian's helmet. Um, uh, I'm actually going to tell Sphere to hold up, too, actually. Stop. Uh, signal her over, so that maybe she can hear as well. There were three large mutated beasts at the end of the hallway. They seem to be locked up, but I don't know if they're going to start a commotion if we turn the lights on. And help Jillian take it sure. off. Oh, yeah, she sort of takes it off. I think we thought that maybe there would be some of those here. Yes, we thought there was a possibility. Yes. From what you've seen so far, you've seen creatures like this before. Do they have any particular sensitivity to light? No, but they do have a sensitivity to being disturbed. <laughs> I suppose that's true. Did you find the, 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 the source of the clanking sound? No, just more mic in that pen at the end of the hall. All right, 
is there a way is there a way to turn the light on but keep it away from the hall or cages where the, the mutants are located there was no door on the hallways we went down the there isn't no but it, it is at a 90 degree angle yeah. so theoretically if you went down one side if they're back here I mean a little light might come around yeah. the corner but they wouldn't be like lit up okay it might not I assume they're accustomed to having the light turned on but we wouldn't want them to start raging and making sounds I agree is there a way for us to start at the farthest possible point from that? Well, if we turn this on... But you can move it. You can carry it in your hand. I'm saying, let us take the crystal to the farthest possible point and then flip it. Alright. We're pretty close to the farthest possible point. I mean, we can walk back a little ways. You can kind of walk back to where the door was, yeah. The farthest possible point actually would probably be, not that you necessarily would want to do that, would be down at the end of the other hallway. Okay. That would be the farthest theoretical point. But you can back up sort of where to the door. Okay. And take the crystal with you. Yeah. Sure. Do so. You wait till you're like back almost up against the door. Yeah. <laughs> you remember. Um, okay, and now that we're back here, I'm going to kind of walk it. And it doesn't sort of flash again. It's sort of there's a warm glow that sort of slowly fills and fills and fills, and it starts to. And you can see Jillian sort of get her bearings a little bit, and she's listening to kind of see if that triggered anything. You guys don't hear any noise that sort of corresponds with the illumination of the crystal. All right. What am I looking at? What have we discovered so far? A similar. Pe- uh, I see two hallways. You look. Both of them? Yes, similar, yes. similar pens, all empty as far as I could tell on, on my end, except for three of these sort of mutated beasts. Uh, we found another one of the, the, the harvesting sign-offs. Um, one of the pens uh, that Safira went down was uh, harvested yesterday. Is that consistent with what you've seen? It seemed like it, that they looked, I don't know, I mean... There was quite a few of them. Um, yes, I'm not sure how many. Um, there was only one real mic in it. There was like a little funguses on the ground, I think, but only one real mic. seemed to be only one in the pen. Alright. Rather large red one. And, and was there anything else about it sort of unusual to keep one mic in it separate from all of the rest of them? I don't see it. Should I we guess go? it is. Maybe we should go examine it more closely. I. I didn't want to get too close because I sure. don't know. It was uh, its processing seemed to be delayed twice. That's. I mean, I. I don't the know. pen A was it in pen A where you saw the mic in it? Was yes. Yes. Mic in it, but um. Yeah. The farthest end of. And it seems this, that is the only pen being harvested in, in this is pen A. It doesn't look like there are any other mic in it, so you couldn't harvest any of the other ones. So, all right, uh, is there a way for us to move? down that hallway without disturbing the creatures. Yep. The hallway I went down was rather long, so we should be able to, if, we're, if we sort of perhaps shield the light as we walk past, we can... Alright, okay. let's do that. See if we can get a better look. There's also a, a, a cabinet full of um, potions. Healing potions. Oh. Alright. Again, like I said with the box that we found up in the pool room, I'd rather not steal anything if we can get out here completely undetected. However, 
if we take them on the way, so be it. There's, the way out. There were several other potions I'm not that I wasn't accustomed to, but perhaps you could I- identify there might be mycinid related potions. All right. Uh, let me take a look. She sort of walks, and she sort of does as you say. She shields yeah. the light kind of from that one side, and she can't really see down the hallway that far because she doesn't have the dark vision. She makes her way into the little alcove area, and you point out the thing. She just kind of slides it open. She kind of takes a look at it. Uh, Sephira, also, I'm going to give Jillian one. Give me a nature check as well, as the two of you are looking at that. I know dick all. I don't even get a nature check. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's fine. She's covering green shit now. Dirty 20. So it looks to you, just based on the consistency and the color, kind of, it looks like it's vials of the poison called Torpor. T-O-R-P-O-R. And it's a, it's a poison that can incapacitate right. you for a number of hours. It's not lethal. It's just... Is it like paralyzed? It it, it's, it's not paralysis, but it's lethargy and incapacitation. Like you're... Think of it as like a like a pepper spray, like you can't do anything. Ooh. You're physically incapacitated from it. That's rough. Um, well, that one to me looks like torpor. It's something that can be used as a, you know, uh, to stop something from attacking you. I can see how they might use this, I don't know, against the mutants, maybe, if they, they needed to go in and, I don't know, clean the pen? I don't know how it works. Oh, but even, we've seen these outside of pens, so even if they're being transported, Probably want some way Wouldn't to want them to be fully them. conscious. Yes, no. that makes sense to me. I know we're not supposed to take them, but that could be useful too. You know. Again, maybe for now we leave it, but on the way out, so be it. If we have to hide and someone comes in and notices things are missing, that will be a problem. Yeah. Well, should we? Uh, any idea that potions look like anything to you? That, that as far as you can tell, it's oh. two kinds of potions: healing oh, okay. potions and a bunch of these torpor poisons. Lead the way towards the. Okay, so I'm gonna kind of carefully sure. you know, uh, lead the way towards. Great, this. and you start to do so. And as you're starting to walk down this hallway towards the A pens, Erling gets a familiar sensation. <sighs> a bit of blue mist pouring forth from your nostrils and your mouth. And every time you breathe, a little more pours out. And again, it kind of dissipates quickly into the air around you. Safira, Jillian, stop. Why? I still don't know what this is, but if we learned anything from the first pen, perhaps I should go in first. Okay. All right. Hey, stop. So I'm gonna sort of move past them. Sure. You move a little closer, and you start to get you now with the light and your dark vision. You can actually see the end of the hallway. You start to move down in that direction. And as you kind of look in again, seeing what Sephira saw, you see one myconid kind of curled up with its, its cap is kind of turned towards you to kind of block it from the light, kind of like keeping itself away from the light. And it's kind of curled in the back corner, as far as you can tell. You get closer. How close do you want to get? I'm going to look back at them. I'm going to... <laughs> start to move towards the pen. Sure. <laughs> Do something. Yeah. It doesn't react to you getting closer. Give me a perception check. No. Uh, 19. 19. As you get a little closer, it, it does have its cap towards you, which blocks a lot of vision of what it looks like. However, out of the sides, you can see puffs of the blue mist. 
coming from out the sides, just like the puffs coming from out of your mouth. Okay. Which you saw on the other pens as well, some of them did that. Um, I'm gonna sort of, is it, is it tall, is it upright, or is it sort of falling? Uh, it's kind of like, it's, yeah, it's kind of like huddled down. It's not standing upright. Or... All right, I'm gonna try what I did last time. I'm gonna sort of get down on it. As I get closer, I'm gonna try and get down on it, and I'm just gonna put a hand up on the pen. Great. Do so. Get down. And you wait for a moment, and the puffs come out a little more concentrated blue. And it's, again, you see that your puffs, and then in response, the mic and its puffs come fill the cage a little bit with this kind of blue mist. And it starts to move towards you. And unlike the other one, that kind of walked towards you bipedal, this one is kind of crawling towards you. Like, it, it sort of keeps its head low, and it as moves slowly across the ground. As it's crawling, I'm going to say, can you understand me? It doesn't respond. gets up to you. And once again, it takes its left hand with sort of these wiry, fibrous fingers. And just like the other one, it looks like it's reaching towards you to touch you. And I allow it to. And it reaches out. And it makes contact. Yeah. And that's where we're going to take a break. <laughs> oh, okay. That's fine. Everything's fine. We will see what the mic in it has up its sleeve. When we return, oh. welcome back to the real campaign. Yeah, <laughs> we're in the shit. How many times has Jillian said, don't take shit? <laughs> Listen, <laughs> you guys okay. can meet back up with them. They're carrying stuff covered in ink. Okay. The thi- there's so many things. There's so many things. We were in the clear and you stole stuff. Clear? When we were How in the clear? electrolysis lab, everything was fine, and you sure. still stole stuff. Yes. Wait. No. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna argue Something about to be discussed during the yeah. break. Uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll take a quick 20-minute break, and we'll be back, and we will um, we'll finish up for the night. Uh, uh, and we'll see, we'll see where this takes us. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Come back. See what happens. Uh, uh, uh. Um, we're in the holding pens, too. We're in the uh, wherever you guys are. Wherever the fuck. And when we get back, we'll jump right back into it. Yeah, yeah awesome. let's do it. Great job, everybody. Hit it. Oh. We'll be back. Table Top Notch is made possible through the support of fellow adventurers like you. Consider subscribing to our Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash tabletopnotch. The amazing thing is you can do this for free if you have an Amazon Prime account. You may also follow us on Instagram at tabletopnotch and Twitter at tabletop underscore notch. They'll have updates and announcements and some really funny stuff. If you miss an episode, venture to our YouTube channel for recaps of previous chapters. And now, back to our story. Alright. Welcome back to Tabletop Notch. Yeah. We return to the holding pens. Holding pens too. The Myconid has just reached out, touched Erlen very lightly in the center of his chest. And once again, a searing light creeps in from your periphery. Not unfamiliar to you at this point. It quickly closes in, like watching the burning edges of a piece of parchment kind of eat its way through the material around you. And the last bit of the surrounding pens that remains visible is the outstretched appendage of the creature in front of you, until it too is consumed by the illumination. You allow yourself to breathe, 
travel through the bright nothingness, better prepared this time for the sensation, but still somehow feeling like it's entirely new. The mist swirls around you, and you feel like you're walking, but your legs remain still. You look up to see something approaching, again, like the cave from before. You press yourself to focus, you catch a glimpse of what's coming. Is it another cave, a forest, a mountain? Dots on the horizon lined up in rows. Another hunting party, perhaps? And as it travels toward you faster and faster, the outlines of humanoid heads would seem to confirm the suspicion. But the identical spacing between them and their low proximity to the ground seems to suggest something more regimented, possibly military. And then again, as the objects advance. You do everything you can to convince yourself it won't come crashing into you, but here it is again, barreling in, and you can't help but wince a little bit. You open your eyes. And there's a row of uniform wooden desks. No, three rows of desks seem to spread out in front of you. And each one occupied by a young man or woman no more than 16 or 17 years old. A diverse group of elves, humans, dwarves, and tieflings sitting up straight and facing studiously forward, away from you. Many of them have books on their desk in front of them with nondescript covers. You try to peek at one and it's like it's blurred almost, as if the memory doesn't include this sort of what was on the desk, the, the fine details. A few of them have quills ready in hand, but they're kind of still. They're just kind of suspended, not moving yet. And in the back row, the three middle desks are currently unoccupied. You hear a voice beside you, and you turn to find once more that Jillian and Sephira seem to have come along for the ride. It would seem that this one has something to show you. Let's have a seat in the three desks. step forward. And you sit. Does the room look familiar to me? Not at the moment. Okay. Give me a perception check, though. Mm -hmm. Uh, 19. 19. The room, again, the room has not formed. It's, it's empty desks in, a, in, a, in an abyss, so yeah. the room does not look familiar. However, students are wearing kind of white robes with a blue trim. Possibly familiar to you. You walk beyond the back row to just sort of slide into the desks. And as you do so, as soon as the three of you kind of sit, it's as if everything presses play and everyone kind of goes about their business. Some of them flipping through pages, some of them jotting down notes. It's like as if the whole room kind of sprung into action. If I look over at Jillian and Sephira, are they wearing the white robes? They are not. They seem to be wearing what they were wearing, as are you. You are also not wearing white robes. You see quills being dipped people writing, notebook pages being flipped. And then you start to hear some footsteps. Sounds like it's coming from down a hall or something. And you don't see anything, but you hear a door being opened. And then closing behind. And in the haze, kind of emerging, materializing from the mist, is another figure. 
a strong jaw holding up a neatly braided white beard that dangles down to his chest, a thin blue ribbon tied to keep his long hair out of his face. And as he approaches, he holds up a hand which reveals a dense sleeve of tattoos stretching from his wrist to his elbow. Good morning, class. And everyone around you speaks. Good morning, Master Grimani. Everyone, please be seated. Today, we're going to talk a little about the economics of alchemy. And from this, there's a little bit of groaning, a little bit of disappointment at the subject matter, a little <sighs> people who came here to learn about explosions and transforming materials here to now get an economics lesson. I know, I know. Not exactly what you had in mind. Not to worry. By the end of the semester, we'll be tossing around flasks of alchemical fire, and you'll have long forgotten my boring lecture. And a little bit of quiet laughter. I'm sure you've all, at some point or another, heard the phrase, supply and demand. It's an economic model of price determination. It's easy to see how it relates to the transmutic subset of alchemy. After all, when you hear the word alchemy, what is the first thing that comes to mind? He looks around at the class. Anyone? Jillian sort of And with no one saying anything, Jillian speaks up. Oh, yes. Turning things into gold, I suppose. Yes. He reaches out points towards Jillian the man. Of course. Turning things to gold the impetus for many of the earliest alchemical advancements, the positive or negative shift in value based on the alteration of a given substance's properties. But let's break it down a little further. And he goes over, he turns around, and out of the mist a blackboard materializes. And he begins to kind of write on it. That's a map at the moment, but we won't. I have a bigger, we just got a thicker marker. At its most basic, we have big, broad, capital letter alchemy. Transmutation of one substance into another. But this is almost never done outside of an academic context without consideration of value which is where the first distinction will be made. We have alchemy. In a more classic sense, such as our earlier example, turning undesirable metals into gold, we're talking about expected value. This is the transmutation of a substance of lesser value into a substance of greater value. Pretty straightforward. If I transform a block of lead into a block of gold, I have created a surplus of expected value given the generally agreed upon price of these metals in most regions. But there is another determination of value that is important to consider. In contrast to expected value, we'll be calling this one present value. 
The transmutation of a substance of relative abundance to a substance of relative scarcity. She points to one of the kids in the class. He points to one of the kids in the class. Let's say William here goes on an expedition and finds a rich vein of silver. Struck it rich. However, a terrible storm strikes and floods the mine that he's been getting the silver ore. With a high risk of drowning, the present value of the silver ore is very low. And the present value of a substance such as wood, which could be used to float or fashion a raft, is very high. This is an example of present value. A large percentage of the time, these two values, expected and present, are in agreement because of the nature of commerce. And this is where we get back to supply and demand. A substance of abundance, in the present model, is often synonymous with a substance of lesser value in the expected model because what is more readily available usually costs less to acquire. But so far we've only considered inorganic variables. And when we consider organic ones, that is where present value distinguishes itself. And it is also where I believe alchemy has the most room for advancement and potential breakthroughs. Take into account things like emotions, such as William's fear of drowning in the mine, or you take into account people's attachments to other creatures. A person on their own has very low value in terms of the greater world. However, to his brother, sister, mother, father, that person has a very high present value. And at this point, you see a hand go up in the front row. And it stands out, not only because obviously it's been raised, but because it's made of metal. In fact, as you lean forward to get a better look from the elbow up, this student has kind of a hollow-looking prosthetic metal limb attached to his upper arm with some sort of clasps and straps. It seems like a, you know, from the elbow, he had an accident of some kind, and he has a fake arm from the elbow up. And he speaks. But, Master Grimari, does the introduction of organic variables not then cease to be alchemy? Are you not then moving into the fields of biology, genetics, or, or polymorphism, and you hear a voice next to you. Not exactly, no. And the heads turn towards Jillian, who sort of blurted that out. She's sort of a little bit embarrassed, but caught up in the lecture, <laughs> and sort of blurted out the response, and she sort of backs up a little bit. Sorry. No, please. Grimari motions. Well, those fields that you're talking about. They're about, for lack of a better word, combining organic elements. Selective breeding, hybridism, they share aspects of the parent organisms. Even true polymorphism, a skill known only to a handful of history's most powerful archmages, can be seen as the combination of magic and the target creature's attributes. Polymorphism can be dispelled, after all. So the essence of the original being always remains. It's just latent. With organic alchemy, you're talking about the genuine and permanent transformation of one living thing into another, without the use of magic. Now, various claims to this effect have popped up from time to time, but nothing even close to proven or replicable. And the boy who spoke in the front row, he sort of considers this point, he kind of nods, and he seems like he's with his left you know, other hand is taking a few notes on that kind of things that Jillian had just said. 
and as one of the students who had turned around to kind of address Jillian or listen to what she had to say, as they turn back, you catch a better look of the student in the front row with the metal hand. Smallish features, with a slightly upturned nose, and dark, tightly curled hair. It's been neatly trimmed, so it's even across his head. An instant wave of recognition washes over you. His name is Anson Greer, a fellow student who lost his arm in a childhood accident, but who persevered to become one of your school's brightest and most promising young minds. A naturally curious and likable bookworm who, until a shocking last-minute decision, was considered the overwhelming favorite to be named the newest initiate at the Halls of Transmutation, as recommended by Master Gamari. As you study him, Anson turns, and your eyes meet before you can kind of tactfully avert your gaze. And the rest of the room grinds to a halt. Master Humari having turned and frozen, looking like he was about to write something on the chalkboard. And even Safira and Jillian are suspended with the rest of them. And as you breathe, there is a return of the blue mist pouring out from your nostrils. And the hairs on the back of your neck stand up as a small shiver goes down your spine. That's a distress signal, Merlin. Do you feel you're in danger? Do I, know, do, I, do I know where the voice is coming from? It's Anson speaking to you. Oh, he's looking. He's the only one besides okay. you that seems to be not frozen in time, and he's turned and looked to talk to you. You can see me? <laughs> of course. Where are we right now, Anson? You don't remember? No, at school, of course. I know. I, I mean, you can see the blue mist. Yes. This is out of time and place. I agree. And you're conscious of that. Yes. How? Because, Erland, you are in danger. And you have no idea just how much you are. How am I in danger? Let me show you. And he leans up a little bit. And he sort of gets up out of his desk. And he starts to move towards the back of the room, sort of where you guys are seated. And he gets up kind of close to you with you still seated. And he starts standing sort of politely with his fingers kind of crossed in front of him. And at the last second, he lashes out at you with his iron hand and grabs you right at the base of the neck, and the light begins to fade. You find yourself pressed up against the bars of the cage, the myconid having firmly grasped the collar of your protective leather chest piece that you're wearing, where the helmet would attach to. There's an abundant outpouring of bluish vapors from underneath its cap, and you hear a familiar sound much closer this time. Cling, clang, cling, clang. The myconid rears up as best it can with its diminished structure, and it begins swinging around its other limb that was behind it, trying to use it like an arm that's fallen fast asleep. And as it does so, it can't help but tap against the bars of the cage, tum, 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 where the metal clang is coming from. And with the limb coming into view, you see a hollow iron forearm and hand almost like a gauntlet, but the joints and the knuckles are filled with clumps of dirt 
and fibrous threads that have grown and outgrown throughout the gauntlet. And he holds you against the bars. Can I try and grab it? You can. Make a uh, athletics check. Uh, and too slow, he brings down the gauntlet on top of you with your head up against the bars. Uh, Jeez. You take eight bludgeoning damage. As with surprising force and still holding you, he brings the gauntlet down and hits you on the top of the head. You can already feel a little bit of the blood trickling from kind of where your temple is. And this is where Sephira and Jillian kind of see what's going on. This sort of happens very quickly, snapping out of this sort of thing. And Jillian's kind of rushing over. And she's grabbed onto Erlen. She's trying to kind of separate yeah. the Mykonid from you. Which, Sephira, can I, you can I shout as that's happening? Sure, you can. Yes. Don't shoot him! Don't shoot him! Don't shoot him! I had my bow out, but seeing, I, I'll, I'll put it away and then try to go up to the cage and try to separate. Okay, so you can't get into the cage, so you and Jillian are both kind of like pushing it yeah. and trying to keep it apart, and you find that its grip is very, very tight on Erlen's sort of chest piece that he has, and its fingers are only getting further in, like you can see one of the fingers go in and it's looping out under your arm, so it's like holding onto the chest piece and pulling you in. I think we need to get him out of the chest piece. Oh, God. Um... Onto, onto the, okay, onto, okay. onto, onto the, uh, elbows. As they're doing that, for God's sake, let go of me. And it doesn't respond to you yet. In fact, it brings its arm up. Anson, for God's sake, let me help. Uh, it's going to make an attack with advantage. Oh, with advantage. Uh, oof, 19 to hit. That hits. You take seven bludgeoning damage. Oh my once again, the fist comes down. And at this point, Jillian has unhooked one of the elbows. And Saphir, make a, just a straight dexterity check for me. Uh, no, come on. Oh, boy. I'm pretty sure that that's... Eight. Eight. Oh. That's an eight. Eight. So Saphir... I'm sorry, it's a six. I'm wrong. It's a six. six. With Erlen kind of wriggling around, it's hard to get the, the sort of elbow piece loose. And he continues to sort of writhe against the bars as the Mycanid sort of holds you tight against the bars. And it brings its arm up again. Can I go? Can I preemptively block it this time? You can give me a um, uh, athletics with disadvantage because it's like it's, you're basically grappled, essentially, yeah. or restrained because of the sort of hold it has on you. Twelve. Twelve. Okay, you're able to kind of hold it in a way that like it doesn't fully come down on your head. It's going to make an attack without advantage this time. Okay, eleven to hit. Eleven misses. Eleven misses. So we're kind of. And you can hear the loud clang against the bars as you get out of the way enough to like the hand comes okay. down and kind of clink, 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 bounces between the two bars. At this point, Jillian goes over and she helps you make your dexterity with advantage as the two of you are trying to pry sort of the elbow oh of the God. glove themselves. Okay. 21. Great. So the two of you unclasp it, pull the glove off, and now they can kind of grab Erlen by the legs and the, the waist and like pull him out of his, you know, like yeah, if you're taking off a t shirt. Yeah. yeah. You sort of pull him out of it. Um, give me a acrobatics check. Oh my god. I thought we were in trouble. <laughs> oh my god. It's in that one. That one. So once again, as you're sort of struggling, this time you oh see god. the fist going up again, and you're in a compromising position. You're unable to defend Oh no, you are. Uh, <laughs> 12 to hit. 12 misses. Oh. <laughs> comes clanging down on the bars. And once again, Sephira can do another pull there as they try to pull him out. Uh, give me another, um, uh, what did I have you do? Acrobatics. No, acrobatics check for uh, Erlen to try and wriggle out. Oh my god! It's another one. It's another, it's another one. one! And once again, it just gets a long strike as, it's, as the two of them continue to try to pull and the, the, the sort of 
limbs of the Mykonen are so ingrained in the chest piece that it's hard to, like, get you out of it. Oh my god. That is a, uh, 21 to hit. <gasps> you take four bludgeoning damage. I'm out. <laughs> Comes down, and Sephira and Jillian see Erlen's head go limp, and now they pull as hard as they can. Give me an athletics check. Uh, I'll have Jillian do it with advantage. It's the same as having Jillian also do. Um, I think it's up in the top. I think it's alphabetical. Um, yes, it is. Ten. Ten. Okay. You give him a pull, and he's enough to like slip him up out of the chest piece, and you pull him back a little bit, just out of range, and you can see the hand kind of clang on the floor where it tries to reach out and hit Erland, and you and Jillian kind of drag Erland away from the cage a little bit. You see him kind of hold his head and up I'm a little bit. I'm looking at Jillian. I'm, I'm gonna get one of the healing potions. Okay, right, go, go now. I'm running to you get. You run over to the thing, and the, you can hear in the back the metal hand of the mic, and it kind of, and it seems like it's like retreating back to the back corner of the cage again. And that's where we're gonna go over. <laughs> God. Think twice about fucking around with plants from now on. I believe it was Bizarre that pushes open the double doors to the next room. Of course. Well, can you remind me in what direction coming out of the teleportation thing those double doors were? I'm trying to. Uh, yes. So, uh, I can do. Uh, you are. If you're going through the new set of double doors, you are heading east. Okay. I believe. No, you're heading. North, sorry. Uh, this is north. Right, but I'm, I'm like drawing a hallway, so leaving the deactivation room. It'd be on our right, because the the circle room is on our left, because we just circled yes. around and it was on our left. So, yes. so we're going right. Our right. Yes. Okay, thank yep. you. Okay, continue. Uh, God damn it. Yeah. So the size of this chamber is the first thing to surprise you. Open it up, quickly look to see if there's any people in there or anything. You do not see any. And the size is the first thing to surprise you. The acidic waste dump that you fell into, it did have a higher ceiling, but this one, in terms of length and width, is much, much wider. And in addition, the adding to the addition of the illusion of its size is how open the space is. There's no pillars, there's no bookshelves, there's no divisions. It's like a very open, almost like warehousey looking kind of thing. And the second thing you notice kind of gives you flashbacks to Josco's castle for a second. There's a series of grooves carved into the stone floor, but you're relieved to find that they're much, much shallower than the tracks that belong to those sort of wooden cutout mechanisms. And the addition, unlike the meandering kind of inexact paths of the falsified town folk, they make up a grid. It's literally like a grid of these grooves in the ground. And what travels along these grooves seem to be a number of very heavy-looking stone planters or garden boxes. It's like basically like a stone crate open in the top, you can see that there's stuff in the top. And they have, um, they're over like six feet in length. They come up to a little over waist high, very big stone containers. And it looks like to assist in the movement of these containers around, they have wheels on the bottom so they can move along these tracks. So they can kind of slide along these tracks. And something that would take maybe 10 or more people to lift is suddenly operable by maybe just one or two people, you know, with the ability to kind of push these things around. And each planter, as far as you can tell, is filled almost to the brim with a rich, moist soil. 
If something's been planted in them, you can't tell. It seems to be just dirt or soil, as far as you can tell. And up above you on the ceiling is a complex network of pipes, some of them running along the ceiling, some of them dangling down a little bit further, some of them with a number of small holes drilled into them. The general layout looks like, and you would be pretty familiar with this, it looks like a, an irrigation system of some kind. It's used to dispense kind of water throughout crops or field of some kind. I wonder why. Should be familiar. Should <laughs> <laughs> be familiar to you too. You've been around. All right, seen some farms. Okay. I my new line. Because I worked in a yard. No, I'm. Maybe I know. I was being a jerk. Because I was a servant. There are two doors leading out of this room, not including the one you came through. There's a set of sliding iron doors on the left side wall. So if you're drawing this room, it's like a big open square. Left side wall has a big sliding iron door, two double iron doors. And then there's another sort of heavy looking iron door on the right wall that has a glass window. These fucking glass windows, man. In the door? The, the glass window's in the door this time? Yeah, it's in. Yeah, the glass window was in the door before. Oh, it was? Yeah. And if you look closely, there's kind of different metal pipes used for the irrigation in different parts of the room. Some of them are copper, some seem to be iron, they seem to be different materials. You kind of look around, you see this kind of room that looks to be for planting, moistening, can't tell. Sorry. It has like kind of an earthy scent in the room, just with all the dirt and things that are around. That's what you see. Investigate which door gets us out of here quickest. Maybe I guess. Take a look through the window in that door. See if you can see anything with your... Okay. I'll you head over, over to there. the door. Someone going over to the other set of doors? Uh, I'm just going to stick with you for now. Okay. Mm-hmm. You going with that or are you just going to take a look at the other ones? Uh, I'll look at the other set, just okay. in case. Okay, great. You head over to the other door. So we'll go to the window door first. So you, you go over to it. Yeah. And it does have a window looking out and the other on the other side, you can see this because of your dark vision, It is. it looks completely dark in this other room. And it's a tiny, tiny room, just this little, like, alcove area. And there's only two things in it. One, there's a ladder that leads straight up. There's a little hole, and it goes up, leads straight up. And right next to it, there's this really big, like, at least this big opening, like a circular tube, but it's stone. And at the base of this tube, there's a bunch of smatterings of dirt, cloths, soil, and things, and at the sort of base of the chute, you can see a little bit of it as well. It seems like maybe people dump dirt out down into this tube that comes down here. Uh-huh. So the tube is made of stone, you said? Yeah. It's oh. been, like, built into the wall. Yeah. Okay. Um, if I poke my head into the tube, can I see... You, this is from the window. You oh, right. You are not the yeah. yeah. Okay. Um... It looks clear, it looks small, so I might just go ahead and begin. Okay. Okay, I'll open the door quietly. Graven? Yes? There is a ladder in this room, and this room is locked. Does it look like what kind of locking mechanism might be on it? It it seems like, I mean, there's like a metal handle, but when you pull the metal handle, it doesn't come loose. Um, Give me an investigation check. Not a good one. <laughs> Twelve. Twelve. Okay. So you take a little peek around, and it does seem like next to the door, like to the left of the door, there's a little carved out portion of the wall. And it's carved out like down to the ground, up, and then rectangular back down to the ground. And in that little 
carved out portion, there is a glyph or a rune of some kind. It's not glowing at the moment, mm -hmm. but it seems to be you know, attached to the wall there. You don't know if that's how the door opens, you don't know if that's <laughs> triggers something else, but you see a glyph. Do you recognize this glyph, Orba? Can I take a look at the glyph? Again, it, it seems like it's some kind of magical triggering mechanism, but it, it doesn't mean anything to you. In particular. No. <laughs> Let's go check out the sliding doors, I suppose. Can I give a real good yank on that? You like, can. It's really hard. Really solid. Doesn't even seem like possible to brute force it down. Cool. <laughs> See what other... Let's take a look. Yeah. You guys okay. start to walk across. So Bizarre's kind of already over there. And the first thing you notice is there is a notice. <laughs> you get a notice. I am all about the notices. I like that you have them neatly displayed. <laughs> yeah. Uh. What color is this one? <laughs> <laughs> She's worried about that. Thank you. Oh, wow. It's a longer one again. Oh. So there's a little oh. notice hanging on the side. These sort of double doors. Are they over here yet or no? Yeah, they're we're walking, yeah, over, they're walking over here. Well, I have another note to read to you. Okay. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Maxine and I had to move some of the planters to adequately clean underneath them, so it's currently a bit disorganized in here. Note that for safety reasons, the door to the surface shaft, the door to the surface shaft, is inaccessible until the runoff tub has been locked back into place. We should have everything restored to working order by Triad Two Zero Sixty Two. That's two days. Tomorrow. We apologize for the inconvenience. Okay. Looks like a runoff tub to you two. In Make here. an investigation check with advantage. Or you, all three of you. Go ahead and roll. You should have watched roll. Just roll. Take yeah. Give me an investigation. Are you kidding me, everybody? Dirty one. Oh. Ooh, dirty, <laughs> one. dirty one. Dirty one. Four. Two minus Eleven. one. Eleven. Wow. Okay. So you sort of take a look around. There's a number of these planters that seem really, really similar. Stone. Bed of dirt on top, bed of soil. However, as you're sort of wandering around the room, there is one that does seem very clearly different. It's a planter similar in size, but it doesn't have soil in it. It's mostly empty, with just a thin layer of a murky liquid at the bottom. Mm -hmm. And there's a plaque attached to it on two of its four sides, kind of at the top. It says runoff. And you notice that on one of its sides, the one facing toward the side of the room with the windowed door uh -huh. has a glyph etched onto it. Got it. We have to get this one over to that door. Yes. Match that side of the planter to the door. And Is there out. a clear path along those things? Let me show you. Oh, okay. Oh, Please and thank you. a real puzzle. Oh, my I God. I can't. Alrighty. Malai. We are just leaving a fucking trail of this is shit. Pathetic. Oh, oh man. Oh, oh no. This is like it's traffic jam. Yeah. Kill me. So you find as you start to push on <laughs> some of the jam. containers that they only move. They can't be moved 
horizontally. So yep. the ones that are sort of vertical can only be moved vertically along oh the tracks. My God. And the horizontal ones can only be moved horizontally along the okay. tracks. Okay. So there's a sort of maze of planters and things. There is space around the room to walk, but the, yep. the tracks are only here where the yep. planters are. So the runoff container, this is where the glyph is on this side of the wall. So okay. the runoff container here okay. needs to get onto the other side. So the vertical ones can only move vertically. The horizontal ones can only move horizontally. Yes. So like this one can move like up here. Can move like this. Oh and then but this. But it cannot move like this. Right. And this can yeah. go this way as long yeah. as there's nothing in its way. We are about to embarrass us. And where is In the interest of solving the puzzle, here's a miniature version of it. <laughs> Shut the wonder here. Thank you. Collecting so many. Oh, that you God. can do the puzzle. <laughs> Oh so you're not God. trying to, you know, oh do it in your head. I'm, uh, three people gonna, I got this. Keep, yeah. Raven, Raven's got there. this. I've got this. I All hate right. these ones. This is gonna be nothing to me. This is a puzzle I do not enjoy. All right. Uh, this is the, the real thing, is, is setting it up. <laughs> so people are just gonna be Don't worry separate. too much about the numbers as long as you know that. It's just for reference. As long as you know that the horizontal ones can only got move it. horizontal or vertical. Can only, oh yeah. my Aside from the runoff container, the numbers It's gonna take me longer to set up than anything. Um, and there's only one three-length one. Is the ten one here. right yep. there, right? Okay. Sorry, what's that? Is that a three between a seven and the nine? Yeah, again. Just, I know. Sure. Yes, but uh, yes, between seven and nine is three. Oh yeah, it will help to, to have us yes. all be on the same page, sure. won't it? Yes. So eight is in front of the in front of the glyph. Eight is currently blocking the sort of. And below that is seven. Uh, nine is right below eight. Nine is below eight. Four. Already fucking this up. I'm not even doing it. I can turn the numbers. No, that's okay. That's okay. You can keep it. Don't touch it. Three is at the bottom, right? Yes. Yep. The left is three is seven and then five. No. Seven, Uh, six. Seven, six. Okay. Five is above seven. Six, 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 seven. Okay. What's the one right above, sideways, the round runoff? This is one, right? One. Here. Got it. Okay, and, and the exact four. block where the. Uh... This is. It just needs. You need to get the runoff from that side of the room to the other side of the room. Okay. okay. So, yeah, you need to get it here. Easy. <laughs> oh, you already did it? I know, exa- <laughs> I know exactly <laughs> what, what to do. Looks across the room and is like, I got it. Okay. Okay. Oh my god, are we just going to. Obviously. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> hate you. Obviously, the first move is eight has to come up. Yes. Did that oh already. <laughs> We're gonna just sit here and do this? Really? Where, where did you As you guys work. Okay, thank okay. you. It is here. That's what I thought. What do you mean up? He was saying. Oh, I have oh, it oriented. It, I'm reading. Because the thing is right behind. This is where the glyph is. Oh, you need yeah. to get this all the way to the other got side. It. I got also, it. Also, we have it. You got it. I got it. <laughs> oh my god. Well, stop talking and maybe do something. Go ahead. Okay. Move eight all the way up. Oh, I starts the, to point. Graven Graven will just go. Go. I have yeah. to remember the order in which I okay. did this. Uh, okay, after you move eight all the way up. <clears throat> shit, what did I do next? Two, two. I have right? it. Two? Must have been two. Move eight all the way up. Yeah, move. Move two all the way to the side. Okay, after two moves, you move ten, ten. all the way. Oh, no, you can't. Move ten two? No, you can't. Well, you can, you can move, move ten two, two down. down, and then one over, five up. Yes, two. Six okay. and seven so up. Ten, three ten. over. I was going to shoot over, answer. but I mean, I have it. I have it. I'm so ready. I've done it already. Okay. Oh, ten down, as far as it can go. Graven. Graven's pulling on it. Scoot it. Go. Ten down. Stop. 
Okay, Graven, move one up against eight. They're not numbered, but you're pointing. <laughs> right. Um, okay, and then you move uh, five up all the way. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then you move six. Zara's doing all the heavy work. She's pushing these things across. Yeah. yeah. Move six and seven up one, please. Got it. Okay, and then you move three all the way to the left. Yes, yes. Okay, and then you move ten, ten down. down. And then you've got yourself a bingo. Good oh. job, Wolva. Bingo being a town in anti city. <laughs> yes. Right. The little town of Bingo. <laughs> you move it all the way. And you can see as it gets closer that it's going to fit perfectly in that little sort of groove in the wall. And as you push it in, you hear kind of a It's dark in here. It is. I'm going to light my mace. Great. You take a look around. And this room is, again, barely bigger than what you could see through the window. Other than the ladder and the chute, it looks like there's a pair of brooms in the corner. And a few specks of dirt here and there on the floor, especially at the base of the chute, like I said. You light up, and you stand at the base of the ladder, and you look up, and it goes up pretty far, and there's a wooden hatch of some kind at the top that's closed, but it's... I know we've already made so much of a mess. Yes. It would be impossible to put all the bins back the way that they were. Uh, how heavy were the bins? How heavy is the runoff bin? It's, it's slightly well, less heavy than the other ones because they were filled with actually, soil. Actually, as long as we keep this door propped open, we should be able to put things back exactly as they were. You want, to, just... you want to put things back? The door is going to be open. Do we waste the time? I don't know if we waste the time. I think we just go. She's covered in green still. You're right. Okay. <laughs> Let's should, go. Should I go up first so I can peek? With I'll, I'll, go, I'll go first this time. You cannot see in the dark, my friend. Bulba, <laughs> go ahead. I'll turn my light off. You can keep your light on. I just mean, you want, if there's no light, when you do the thing. Please. Bobby's <laughs> gonna start climbing the ladder. Make your way over behind her. Up to the top. Pushing it open. Just cracking it. Let me still check. Oh, okay. That's not Do it five. Five. As you push it, it makes kind of a. Has like a little groan, but you only do it a little bit. You peek out, and a fresh wave of air hits you oh. in the face. Water coming off the river. You're about. Bring it up. Oh my god. Oh, stop. Where really? in the fuck are we? We're not ready to leave yet. <laughs> you have come out at about here. Oh, no. Which is not visible from the lookout tower, so you couldn't see these hatches that yeah. were sort of blocked by the wall. Sort of. And it also looks, as you peek out and just look to your left, there's another circular hatch that seems like it's connected to the stone sort of mm. pipe tunnel that you know, comes out at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And you look to your right, and there's a, you know, it's a little bit of an open shop to the river, but and you can see the platforms as well that are, you know, just a 20, 30 feet away from you. Is the tiefling guy who was driving the carriage? There is a carriage with two horses. You don't see any people there. Okay. Do I see any light coming from where I think the exit from the like store yard is? Uh... Um, that's around the corner. Okay. Like here, yeah, that's the exit. Got it. Okay. And you guys came out like here, so it's around. 
Okay, I'm gonna shut it really quick. Hold on to the ladder, look down. We are right next to the river, my friends. We've gotta make a run for it. Do you see anyone up there? I don't there? see a single soul, including our company. If this is the only way out, I we have to take the chance. Yes, we've made quite a mess. I think we need to go. You have to lead the way. Okay. Quickly. Yes, okay. Great. Let's go. And I'll peek one last time to make sure. And as you take a look out, we'll switch over. Uh, no, I'm gonna get in this yes. fucking river! And you guys, you have Jillian sort of holding Erlen there on the floor, removed from the... T- it seems like... It, Severe kind of caught sight of this, and so Jillian, as they sort of Severe ran down the hall, after loosing Erlen from the chess piece, it retreated to the back corner, but it took it with him. I mean, it took the, it was like, gripped on the chess piece, and it sort of retreated back. So it has the chess piece. You no longer have that on you. Severe goes sprinting down the hall, grabs one of the healing potions. You know what I mean? Like, um, I'm going to grab two. Sure. <laughs> Just, so. Yeah. Um, and then I'm going to run back. back. Pop it open, and uh, Jillian kind of props his head up a little bit. Go ahead and pour it in, and Erland, go ahead and roll for your 2d4 plus 2. It seems to be just a regular. Oh my god. That a 1. 1 rolls. Uh, plus 2, uh, 7. Oh. 70. Yep, you have 70 HP now. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good healing potion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a healing potion. Spice. Oh, it's like, ah! <laughs> just taking a bite out of that mic and finger. You're so working. great. Yeah, <laughs> sort of spring forth. We almost lost you there, Roland. Where's, um... Uh, what do you mean? Where's, what? where's the mic in it? In the back of the cage. It's in the pen. At this point, the solar crystal, because Roland was carrying it initially, it kind of dropped to the floor. It's still lit, so it's lighting up the area. But yeah. Do, do I feel, like, strong enough that I can get myself up a little bit? Yeah, I mean, you're just a little woozy okay. from sort of coming out of un, you know, unconsciousness, but you can probably... I know him. What? What do you mean you know him? I grew up with him. Jillian. I hear you. No, hang on. What do you mean you grew up with him? I grew up with him. You're saying that thing was a person. I'm going to move past them. I don't want to get super close so he can grab me again, but... Anson. For God's sake, can you communicate with me, Anson? I am not your enemy here. It doesn't make a move towards you to kind of attack you, but it also does not seem to acknowledge your plea. Anson, you knew him? You grew up with him? How... They're not making monsters. They're making magnets. Is that the goal, do you think? No, hang on. They're making myconids out of people. Out of... Who was who, who was he? Do you know who's behind all this, Jillian? No. You found me. You picked me. Do you know who's behind all this? Do you? I don't. I do not. All right. I think you know that I picked you because of your specific background. I know. I did not know this. I grew up with him. We were school children together, Jillian. I'd be inclined to believe that was a fantasy if I hadn't seen that gauntlet stuffed in there. Organic alchemy. They're making my Do you remember the... Do 
do you remember what did, were you you were both present do you remember what do you flashes the more you speak the more it refreshes sort of a foggy memory do I remember anything I mean again like as he's speaking as you hear the name Anson you're like okay I, I think I heard that before so like it, again it feels like a dream that's sort of out of reach but the more he kind of talks about it the more you kind of put the pieces together yeah I mean it definitely felt like you were a part of it in some way you just it's hard to School children. What kind of school? It was. It was a long time ago. I don't know if it was. T- no. Jillian. Grimari was there. You told me no more secrets. I don't have them, but I also don't have answers. This is what we were looking for. This is what differentiates this camp from every other one. They're not just harvesting myconids, they're making them. Is that not harder than just finding some myconids in a cave? I think it's substantially harder than that. Then what's the point? They're running out of them. Or it's some form of punishment, experiment gone wrong? What if that wasn't the intended outcome? Is that I mean, the that's goal? possible too, right? Or are the mutants the goal? Because in another pen, a few feet away from here, there's very powerful mutants. I suppose it depends on the purpose. I suppose but it depends on if you're making people into weapons or if you're using people to make weapons. Either way... The chart on the wall, pen A, it didn't seem to indicate that they cared as much about the other pens that contained the mutants. Delayed twice, right? No, that's just, that's just Hansen's pen. No, I mean, no the, indication the, on the chart said that they were harvesting or using the mutants. Well, we know they're using the mutants to, yeah, to create some sort of security force within Mukmu. There's only one mic in it here that we know of. Well, that, 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 that's a, I mean, I guess for all we know, the other mic in it could be people as well. Yes. That other one, that first one that you... That... I don't understand, I don't quite understand, but it seems like we... As, as you sort of seem to be feeling, we're slipping into some sort of shared consciousness. That other one just... We were in a the cave. Other the other one, we were just in a cave. Was it a person? No, we were, no, we were in a, a Mykonid cave together. Are we, am I still breathing blue, by the way? Um, it's a little bit, it's dissipated mostly. It's, the distance between you and, and the... For whatever reason, it seems I can... Well, how much do you know about myconids, Jillian? This this, um, this blue smoke distress signal that Yes, a way for myconids to communicate to each other. They feel threatened to, without verbal or audible communication, signal to other myconids in the area that a predator is nearby. Myconids are non-verbal, right? Yes. Um, do I recall when Anson was attacking me, whether or not he had more distinguished facial features than the Mykonids in the other pens, or uh, or did he seem fully like a Mykonid? He seemed, except for other the than the hand, he seemed fully like a Mykonid. So he didn't have like a mouth or anything there? No. Mykonid extract is of questionable legality all over Antisuji, but this, there is no question about this, if they are actually turning people into myconids. 
No, but we would need, I don't know, substantial what do you proof know? of that. I agree. What do you know of Grimari? What, what do you need to know? No, I'm asking you what you know of Grimari and how he might tie into all of this. He's a tremendously gifted alchemist. Worked all over Antisuyu, in Kiira, abroad, Presidium, traveled the world. Prolific author, defamed. He was doing experiments all the time. What's he been doing now? That I don't know. I imagine he's still doing experiments. When was that the last time you were in Finlock Forest? Two years. No word of Grimari there. Not that I know of. Rumors that he was there. I don't believe Grimari would be allowed inside of the Shade Assembly, if that's what you're fishing for. I have no I, I haven't seen him since I was a child. Safira's right. We need to provide proof of this. If we go to Mukmu or Tuktu or, or in Shup or Pachakama and we say you that there's a, a cave in the mountains where they turn into people. Should we get out of here first? I think it's Do time for us to link back up Should with we yours. interrogate the the hybrids. See if they can communicate. Yeah. Have you been able to do that before? No. No? Then we what haven't. makes you think you'll be able to do it now? You don't want to touch one of them, do you? No, we could stay farther away from the cage. Well, There's but that seems to be how they communicate with you. I didn't, when I went over there before to look, I didn't, there was no, there was no blue mist. There was no warning. They're more, they seem to be more human than, at this point, I assume, Really Some try. sort of Mycanid hybrid, I assume, but... We can try, but you'd have to stay back from the cage, and I don't know why this time would be any different from the last, but maybe if they're less far gone, I don't know. Jelly, what do you think? You're the boss. If you haven't been able to communicate with these mutant hybrids up to this point, risking approaching them... We went through great lengths not to shine a light in their eyes because of what they might do. The risk of walking up to them, again, what does that get us? Even if you're able to, I don't know, get close to them. What will that tell you? What other information do you want to know down here? I think we've got it. All right, then let's get the hell out of here. All right. I no longer have a... Can yes. I still put the helmet on? Do you, you can, but it's, there's obviously a chess piece missing. Remember, yeah. the, the chess piece has like a metal ring here and here and here that the helmet connects to and the gloves connect to. So it's empty in the chest. If we encounter something, what's an easier line to sell? The bastard took my chest plate. There is another option that gets us temporarily upstairs. What? We saw one other man with a suit. Oh. There's another set of stairs, by the way, through the corridor here. I way out. believe that there was another way through the pens. We saw that on the map. Do we want to see what that... Do we have any interest in what that mycelium field is doing? Well, that's where the man is also. Well, what are we going to do? Knock him out and do what with him? Turn off his air. Put him somewhere where he's not likely to be found for as long as possible. Isn't it safer to maybe try to get out through this way? I mean, if we can avoid conflict, shouldn't we? Again, we can, but there's a guard presumably stationed out of both of these holding pens. 
Right. And if you show up without your chest piece, what are you going to tell him? That you lost it? Even if even if we say we were we were attacked, then that would set off the alarm in a, in a way that would not provide uninvited. Can I walk up to the pen the, where he has the chest plate? Yeah. And kind of like, can I give the bar like a little bang? Sure. I mean, as you make the sound, it kind of shifts a little bit, and you can see it still is holding on to it. It kind of has it like tucked under have an armpit, but sort of tucked under its cap a little bit, but you can still see a piece of the leather chest plate, but it's back mm-hmm. away. I mean, the cave's at least 15 feet deep, so you can't, like, reach in and grab our, it. Right. Our bags are also in the pool area. Yes, we have to get back there at some point. The question is, how much time can we buy ourselves before someone notices that something suspicious is afoot? <laughs> but we kill the man quickly and then take his take his suit try to find somewhere to put him where he's not likely to be found right away. Probably. I don't love the idea of leaving him in that room. The glass window is very obvious. Anyone wandering by would be able to see a body in there. What if we push him right up against the wall if it's chest wall? Yes. Um, can I take... I have in my backpack, I have a um, ceremonial black lion sword. Yeah. That you took off the, the dead one that was yeah, up near yeah, the light. Yeah, but my backpack, I don't have it with me, do I? No, you do not. That's right. Fuck. Um... What if we... I know this is stupid, but can we bargain with it in some way? Do you think there's anything we could offer it that maybe it would give us the chest beat bounce? If it's a person, then maybe it We can... don't have anything Bargain with Erlen's life? It seemed very interested in that. Yes, it did. Yeah. Mike, and it's... As far as we can tell, can't communicate other than through these sort of shared memories. No, but it seemed and like... I am not getting into another shared memory. No, sure, no, you not. don't have to, but what if... The, what if we give it a weapon of some sort? We don't have anything on us. No, but we have those potions. Maybe it would want something that it could stun, I don't know, it's next, it could delay its next harvesting. I don't think they're that intelligent. Well, never if they're seen not, a... what do you mean? It was intelligent enough to try to kill him. I agree, but that's a primal instinct, no? You would know a predator primal if you saw Primal instinct that shares a consciousness? I don't think so. I think we try. All right. So I'm going to run over back to the cabinet sure. and get one of these torpor potions. Sure, you do. I mean, it's like a vial. It's decently sized. It's not like tiny, but yeah. And I'm going to bang on sort of the bars again mm-hmm. and hold it up. It doesn't really react to that, you holding it. In fact, it, as you approach the cage, it even kind of pulls itself back a little more. It seems to have no interest in kind of approaching you. Can I, like... Try to move this in any way to see if it's gonna. You can. It doesn't seem to catch its attention, really. Look, if you can hear me, I can give you this and you can use it on the next person who tries to skin you. Fuck. It doesn't seem terribly interested in anyone except for Erland. Erland, do you want to bribe it? Do we want to drag Erlen's body out of here? No. I don't want to. It seems the only way I can communicate with him, it, is to make some sort of connection. We're not doing that again. No, we're not. Is there anywhere we haven't gone that we could try to get Erlen out and then Safira and I go up and bring your bag with us? Because that way we don't have to sneak you with a lack of chest plate past the guards. There's the... In that sort of area under the river, there was that silo that seemed to be powering them. 
Yes, it seemed to be related to the Wall of Force. I don't think that's a way out, but there was that sort of watchtower, but again, it was below the Wall of Force. Yes, you're right. And this staircase, I assume we've, we've definitely passed under the river, so this staircase presumably leads... I don't think we can take that. It won't take us back to the pool. No, it would take us elsewhere. Okay. I don't... Although all we need is for Erlen to get out. The two of us can go back through holding pen one. Have we seen anything that's... Won't they question us when three people go in and only two come out? I don't know. He could up his rounds. He didn't question us when we went down there to begin with. Are there any, do you have anything in mind? Do you have any? Are there any? I think it's worth taking a look at the structures that we haven't looked at yet. If there's any way out of here that isn't through one of the guards, I think we explore that. Lacking that as an option, I think we're falling back on. You mean, disabling the man with the suit. Do you mean the sort of the sort of watchtower underneath it? Yes. What if the man with the suit finishes up his rounds? Then we have an early target. Right. Okay. I don't, I don't. I suppose I don't need this helmet then anymore either. I suppose not. Can it fit through the bars? No, no. The helmet's pretty wide. Yeah. Okay. I think I should. I should leave it right by. By ants in here, so at the very least it seems consistent. It seems that someone was attacked. Alright. this is. So I'm gonna go. I forget where I dropped my helmet, but yeah, I sort of it was, it it was over near yeah. crystal. Yeah. And I and put it Do sort of by the entrance. Ask myself. Or not by, by um, Anson's cage. Whether this is normal behavior for Anson here. Normal in what way? I mean, is this the first time he's ever tried to kill someone in one of those suits? Because if it is, that's going to be pretty fucking suspicious. I agree. I think we should be out of here before <laughs> anyone finds that. <laughs> okay. Let's Wait. return to the river walk and okay. see if we can't find another way out. All right. Failing that, we find ourselves a suit and we know where that is. All right. Jillian kind of moves to put her stuff back on as you guys are going kind of back out in the hallway, back out towards the river walk. You head towards, you put the crystal kind of back on the thing. The light goes out after Jillian has assembled her suit. And the door rattles open. You guys begin to walk. And that's where we're going to end oh, for the evening. As Get Erwin, Sephira, and Jillian Whoa. return to try and find a way out after Erlen's chess piece has been lost. Oh my god. Rip. Wow. Okay. Welcome back, everybody. I hope yeah. you had a great time. Oh my god. We had a great time. We're so glad to be back here and playing again. I, I can't say how much I yeah. look forward to this and how much we've enjoyed sort of rediscovering the world that we know and love. Um, thoughts, questions, comments? Um, I just want to get my ass in that river, man. That's like all I want. I thought you were, so cool. were going to kill me in the first episode back. <laughs> that would have been saucy. He tried. I even yeah, made you yeah. a new thing. You want to hold it up? <laughs> yeah. That would have been, that been nasty. That would have been guy. Yes, for his sepsis powers, yeah. Can um, you imagine? First episode back. Yeah. Just for the sake of not wanting to have wasted that time, I wouldn't kill you. <laughs> <laughs> That's like when you almost died after we had just commissioned character art. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although she didn't we only that. almost yeah. died I did not when die. you guys worked really hard on yeah. something. <laughs> Appreciate it. Um, awesome. We'll be back next week. It will be our normal time, 7 o'clock, sort of 10 o'clock. I know, we did the big double marathon today. Um, everybody stay safe, be cool, um, you know, try and stay cool. We're all hot as fuck in the studio. We'll cool off and uh, digest the uh, digest the events of tonight's episode. Um, oh my god. 
and we'll hope to see you guys there, and we'll figure out what happens. We'll see if we can get out of this camp. There's been a few hiccups along the way, oh, but uh, no way. We'll see. Here we are. If you yeah. haven't been Probably here the whole time, stained. go back and watch the beginning of this episode because all those Genesis things were fucking dope. Yeah. yeah. If, if anybody, yeah, um, no, yeah. if anybody joined for the regular time that we sort of usually stream, yeah. we did sort of a look back at how each character came to the mission. Um, it did a little one-on-one -on -one look back at everybody. So feel free to take a look at that. Do um, it, and uh, and we'll see you yeah. next week. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thank Have a good night. Have a good night. Have a good night. Have a good night. She's down that way. That's all for now. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of A Peek Beneath the Veil on Tabletop Notch. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell a friend or leave us a nice review on the podcast app of your choice? There is always room in our party for more adventurers, despite what Kuzni may think. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and as my friends the Ackley Elves like to say, your presence is a gift. 